0: Hey there, and welcome back. You are listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. Sarah Rossney is a licensed clinical social worker, and she's been on the podcast before. You could find her on the EMDR podcast, and that episode was so wildly popular because she did such an incredible job at demystifying that approach to therapy that I wanted to have her back on. I wanted to have her back on to help demystify how we as parents can support our kids through change. You know one thing that the pandemic did is it really shed a light on how challenging change can be for our children and for us as parents. And while we're still living in the midst of impact of the pandemic and different changes that our children might face and that we might be facing, there are so many other ways in which we as a family and our kids are going to face change. A change in schedule, a change in the family system, a new baby being born or a divorce or a death. There can be change when we move. There can be change when somebody falls ill. Our kids can experience change in their friendship circles. They can experience change when they move from a crib to a big kid bed. In this episode, Sarah offers us insight into what it looks like when children are struggling with change and where we can start. How curiosity and a shared language can begin to help us both reflect on our own relationship with change and then build that bridge to connecting with our children and supporting them when it comes to change. I'm really excited for you to connect with and learn more from Sarah, so let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Sarah. Welcome back on the podcast. And today we're talking to the parents specifically, and we're going to talk about supporting our kids with change. But before we dive in, Sarah, could you reintroduce yourself to the listener in case they don't know you
1: yet? Sure. Thank you, Cassidy. And thank you for inviting me back on. It's always a privilege to be able to connect with you and with your community at large. So yeah, so I'm Sarah Rosny, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a mama of three beautiful, wonderful kids. And I um, have a practice that's in actually three different states in New Hampshire, Massachusetts and New York. And I'm really passionate about working with parents through the journey of what it's like to notice what happens for you as you're, as you're raising these little humans. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Well, we share that passion and I will for sure put links for folks to connect with you after the episode. If they are interested in therapy and located in those states, I get so many dms and emails people are like i i need somebody i need to work with somebody i'm ready to start therapy i'm not based in california yeah. and do you know anyone that takes you know a similar approach and um, so i'm so grateful to also have you as just a resource to send folks when they are ready to take that step so yeah. i'll be sure to share links in the show notes but let's let's talk about change yeah when when we're talking about kids navigating change, supporting our children with change, like, let's first just kind of make sure the listener is in the right place, right? Like, what are we talking about? Like, what are some examples of change that you support families with? And just give us some tangible examples so that the listener can, yeah, just be like, okay, actually, yeah, that's, that's something that we've navigated or are navigating or anticipate navigating and Mm -hmm. I'm in the right place.
1: Yeah, so that's a great place to start. And it sounds really basic, right? Because we're always changing, hopefully. And we're always, you know, especially as parents, we're watching humans develop and change and grow into who they are meant to be in this world. And you can probably empathize with this, Cassidy. The number one thing that brings people into our offices over the years has been that they're dealing with a change. And or they have a loved one that is dealing with a change. And yeah. so <clears throat> when we're talking about changes, I think what I notice is that it's it's not just the, the very tangible things that we're talking about, like a move, you know, um, or having a new sibling or starting a new school, or even having to transition your bedroom, right? Like all of those mm-hmm. types of changes. But we're also talking about the changes that we experience in the relationship because of it, mm. like the shifts that the shift that is always happening with the relationship I'm having to this change, and the relationship my child or my partner is having mm. to that change. So really looking at what what's happening in that relationship, and how can we support each other and nurture and take care of each other. Because isn't that why people walk into our offices all the time? They they yes. need to learn how to do that to create a sense of calm and moving mm-hmm. forward in their life. Mm-hmm. So I got really curious about this because of the work that, you know, shows up in our office all the time. And then also, you know, to, to emphasize that because Then COVID happened,
0: right? Yeah, talk
1: (laughs) about change. (laughs) Right, And and so we saw people and families who have everyday changes, changes that are occurring that were planned, some anticipatory, some not necessarily, but then we all went through massive changes and we all had to process those simultaneously and we all did so very differently. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. I think COVID was one of those things that just impacted, yes, as you said, like all of us, right? Right. Um, But I think the thing that was one of the things that was the most stressful part of it for me was seeing how are the kids navigating this, right? Like, we're navigating, I'm navigating this change. And like sometimes, a lot of times it is that we're going through a change, you know, simultaneously as our child is, right? Like right. even if they're the one walking into the new school, like we're we're also navigating the change right. that comes with that, for example. Right. And so, so much in these situations, you know, is our own, like our own way that we relate to change. And then, oof, the pressure
1: of how do we support our kids how do we support our kids to do this too? Exactly, and so you bring up this great point. And in the clinical world, we call it dual process, right? And th- that's that what we're experiencing is maybe the same thing that our clients are experiencing, which every single therapist went through during COVID. We were trying to grapple with the exact same thing that every single client of ours was grappling with when it came to COVID. But yeah, the truth I, is- I never
0: experienced that before. That was a new one, right? Like,
1: right, you know, at the exact right. same time. With everybody. Right. But the truth is that's what we as parents experience all the time. Is a dual process that's happening as our as our children are experiencing changes, like I said, some anticipatory, some that we're just completely shocked by and hadn't planned. We are having to manage, hopefully, what's coming up for us because that dual process as we're nurturing and taking care of our little ones is happening whether we draw attention to it or not. We're both experiencing the new kid, you know, the new kid at school. We're both experiencing what it's like to have a new home, what it's like to grow our families, what it's like to shift out of our families and start, you know, new blended families. Like all of those things are dual process when you are a parent.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, when you go to, um, family systems 101, the basics, (laughs) you know, when I go back to like my own training, one of the main pillars was when it comes to supporting family systems is we want to take a look at how the family navigates from one chapter to the next, one season to the next, right? How does the How does the family navigate a member launching from the system? How does the family navigate introducing a new person to the system? Mm -hmm. How does the family navigate a change in the environment? Right. Mm -hmm. And if the family is able to be flexible. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and shift, right. And uh, communicate and feel safe during that Transition with each other, then they're, you know, according to, you know, the 101. class, yes. Like they yeah. quote unquote, like succeed, right? Like right, they right. A sign of of health in the system. Um, right. And, you know, I think that that's like, that sounds okay. That makes sense. And then it's like, well, okay, but <laughs> like there's a lot of variables here, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you've got, you know, if you're, um, a two-parent household, you've got two folks with like their own luggage or baggage, however you want to look at it, bring it into this system, right? Yeah. There's a child's, you know, unique temperament and oh, there's, and, and, then, and then it's the, the the nuance of the situation, right? So right. Right. What, are, what are some ways that we can begin to kind of
1: take a look at that for our own family system? Well, I love that you're br- – so So basically what I'm hearing the question to be is how do I bring family systems 101 to a very tang- – in a very tangible way mm-hmm. to a parent and so therefore to a family, okay? Yes. And so I think that's a great question because I think often we don't know what we don't know and so then these things become even harder, right? So <clears> – <throat> To, let's first talk about how we how we know it's it's hard. Okay? Cuz I think what happened and you probably again, I know you you have a lot of people that's come on the show and talk about this is a lot of children are struggling with change now. Okay? And that's nothing new. What's new is that we've had a couple years where change was happening so rapidly for our young families and for our young children. Well, actually for our older children too, that it was too much too fast. And so the ability to adapt has become really challenging for some individuals and for some families. So how do we know that someone's struggling, right? What, what does it look like when a child in a system is, is just not doing well with change? And so I, you know, some of the things that I want to highlight is that when we're curious about how our child is engaging with us and how they're engaging with themselves. Anytime we approach a change, you're gonna see something shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always, okay? And that's a good thing. So, you know, right. I remember like years ago. My one of my kids going through a significant change, and of course, because I'm a therapist, I was like, "Oh my god, get him help! I got to get him help!" You know, he's he's acting out, and which is totally appropriate at the time based on the right. situation. And I remember calling like who I thought would be the expert in the area that could see my kid, and and I remember her very kindly saying, "So, Sarah, this also just happened, and would you be willing to just be curious and observe?" And let your son kind of shift and find his way with your support before you want to pathologize it. (laughs) And and I'm like, oh, that was a window to my stuff, which we can get into at a later time. But also, I think I didn't realize in that moment as a parent, you know, it's okay. Kids are going to regress a little bit when things shift. Kids are going to act out. Kids are going to show us that this is different, and I want mm-hmm. you to hear that. But they're not going to mm-hmm. always say it like that. So Right. Right. <laughs> no, <you're not. laughs> right. right. So, so, so our job is to kind of be curious about what that looks like. So for some kids, that can be really short-lived. That can be um, refusal to do things that they were once really comfortable doing. That can also go along with attachment anxiety, you know, fear to be left alone when they were okay with that before, whether it's being dropped off at school or, you know, alone in the house, you know. Um, Also, we can just find other regressive behaviors coming out for little kids, kids that maybe don't, um, you know, look like they're having a hard time a lot. I know I don't like to use the word tantrum, but, you know, have outbursts in a way that's helping us realize their system's getting overloaded and they need, they have to express that within their bodies. And all of these things are going to happen for all, for all families, for all kids. It's that... We want to know how to respond and speak to them because when we're able to do that, when we're able to have, and this is a big thing here, shared language within the mm. family about how to conceptualize and hold onto what's happening in the system, in the family, then those behaviors get quiet. They begin mm. to fade away with that nurturing support and understanding. When we don't have a way to communicate to our children what's happening and what also is happening in the system, then those behaviors grow and they can turn into phobias. They Mm -hmm. can turn into adaptations that hang around into Mm -hmm. adulthood. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really want to be curious about. Not, is my child reacting? I hope your child reacts. That's appropriate. (laughs) What's our response to that? as a way to nurture and support our children with that process.
0: I love that you're naming here a few things, but the first piece, I love that you're naming here that they, they are going to have a reaction and you actually want to see that, right? Like I want to, I want to see that my child is able to let it out, right? Because when I look at some of my own stuff, like, Mm -hmm. Learn to shut down certain parts right. of myself, right? right? And like, I and I that if our child is having a tantrum or mm-hmm. outburst, it's like, all right, you know what? That part of them has not been shut down. <laughs> like, wow. they still feel like they can let it out and take up right. space, have needs, and mm-hmm. in their own way, let those around them know that something feels off hear Something is disrupted. I have a need. I need support, right? Like in right. their own way, letting us know that. So we we want to see the, the, that reaction, right? Like yeah. that, is not yeah. a, mm-hmm. that is not a sign of failure. That is not a sign that there's yeah. something wrong with you or your child. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, thank you for naming that. Yeah. And then this piece about shared language is so important because, right, we, the way that our brain make sense of the world around us is usually through like narrative. Like we're always telling stories to ourselves, right. And about what we've, what's, what, we, what's happened in the past, about what's going to happen in the future. Like our brain's job is to keep us safe and it does it through like creating stories, right. And belief systems and how do we communicate stories is through language just through words right yes. and so if we mm-hmm. can have a shared language to make meaning of our experiences yes. that a child is very quickly able to connect with in terms of oh this is what's happening this is helping me understand what's happening in my body this is yes. a sign that my parent gets it this is a sign yes. that we're connected like that's that's where that's, that's where the magic happens right so yes meaning making machines where we, we do that through stories and language and I'd love to hear from you how how do we how do we incorporate that? But I guess before we even get there, Sarah, I'm like mm-hmm. you've also mentioned that like there's our stuff that shows up in yeah. these moments as we are in parallel navigating change with our child. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we kind of have to start there first, right? Like to first yes. understand our own
1: stuff and then, then maybe we yes. can get to the word language. Yeah, so let's pull on what you're saying even more. So so the narrative, the stories that we tell ourselves about how we experience the world, therefore show up in the world, build an infrastructure, okay, of who we are. And so we really, if you think about that as a parent, we want to be pretty intentional about how our children are building that infrastructure. Think of it as like, it's the highway. All right. And mm-hmm. the reason being is because they're going to build their life around that infrastructure, around that story. And it's really a lot harder to move that infrastructure once you're an adult. Right. So. Right. Not impossible though. Right. Not impossible. Like- right. Cause. But- Back to our last episode about EMDR. Not you got it. If you want to know how to shift your infrastructure, you got to go listen to the episode on EMDR. But first, let's talk about before you get to okay. And I'm I'm that kind of parent because obviously remember I'm the one that called the therapist and was like okay I got to help my kid right now. So I I before we jump to like how do I help my kid build this infrastructure, you know, let's like pause and do that self reflective work of what's my infrastructure. When it comes to how I approach change as a parent, what's the, what's the, what's the highway that I, what's the narrative, what's the story that I've told myself? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's Mm -hmm. so many ways to get curious about yourself, right? And one of the things that I think is really helpful is to, is to take time to look at what was modeled to you, to look Mm -hmm. at how did my mom experience change? How did, you know, my grandmother, who was maybe a part of my life, how did my community approach shifts in how we showed Mm. up? Okay, because Mm. that's going to give us the our response to living in relationship with someone is going to give you the most information about your infrastructure. So let me let me expand on that. If you had a disengaged parent. Okay. So if you grew up in a home where your parent was uninvolved and gave you as a child a lot of freedom, that's often very confusing when change occurs for a child Mm
0: -hmm. because they don't
1: know their role in it and they don't understand how to make sense of who's supposed to take care of me if they're not engaged. Mm, So what that can do is that can create a sense of overwhelm that for a child, therefore an adult. And it can make that person hunker down and become rigid and fearful of change because they experience that as being very alone in it. Mm. Okay. So, so as you think about, you know, and, and there's, there's all different types of parenting, right? Like, There's more authoritarian, permissive, which basically it means how did your parents show up for you or didn't show up for you? Yeah. And so I think what's helpful to do is think about one significant change that you had as a child, and it may be as significant as your parents' separation. It may be a loss of a loved one. It may be the loss of a pet or shifting to a new school, and you get really curious about Mm -hmm. How did your parents help you make sense of that?
0: Mm, yeah,
1: I think I'm, I think that I know from
0: some of my clients that I've worked with that sometimes there's like they're like you know I don't even know what change happened. It's almost like mm-hmm. I was so like protected from it, or Ooh, or nice. we didn't talk about change, right? And so and so they're mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, well, that's a that's a response, right? So I want to, I just want to provide that for the listener too. If they're like, well, I don't really know. Like there was no big reaction. Well, sometimes the lack of a reaction to the fact that Mm -hmm. things are always changing. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, maybe those conversations, the parents only had behind closed doors or Mm -hmm. they just, you know, said, we're okay. It's okay. Everything's fine. (laughs) Like, right. Right. Or there can be, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you no, know, there's a pullback for homeostasis, how things used to be. We're not okay. We're, it doesn't, it doesn't, yep. we can't accommodate this change. So there's a pull for, you know, control, coming back to things, how you, things used to be. So there, these are just
1: some examples of, of what that might look like, right? Right, right. And so as we get curious about whatever the response was, of that change. And this is just an exercise any parent can do. Right. And you then say to yourself, well, how do I feel in my body when I notice how it felt Mm. to have no one there to help me, to have Mm. a parent kind of just go on, like everything's just normal or Mm. to have someone fight against it. Like that's not happening. Mm. That's not happening. Mm. Nope even though clearly it is. Mm -hmm. And as we begin to notice what's in our bodies, just like we often do with our children, you know, our bodies are messengers. It's giving us information. And it's not challenging for us to associate with, oh, I feel that feeling in my stomach. I know what that is. That's anxiety, right? Or, oh, I feel a warmth right here. What's that? I think I felt soothed. I felt- mm, and just for the
0: listener, you're pointing. I, mean, I see you
1: right now. You're pointing to yeah. your chest. Pointing yeah. to my chest. Yes, I forget that we're. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're listening because it's going to help you recognize as a caregiver. You know, so change for me was met with support, was met with nurturing, or change with me was actually met with a whole lot of nothingness, and that was scary. Mm. And my mm. body tells me that. Mm because our bodies hold those messages stronger than anything else, (laughs) you know? So if you don't know how your parent responded when you bring up a change, when you're doing this exercise, ask your body, because your body body will tell you. The body
0: (laughs) score, the body remembers. It's our body's job, right? It's, it's, It's built to keep us safe. And so it might not necessarily we might not be able to access the details because there's other ways in which our body might be protecting us from that yeah. right yeah. Um, but right our body that like as you're talking i was kind of just noticing a little a little flutter in my stomach and a little mm-hmm. sensation in my throat you know and it's mm-hmm. like okay well let's let's tap into that and yeah. what when i when i when i feel those things Like, what part of my body is that? Like, what's showing up there? And yeah, I think it could could trickle in as anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, as like, oh, it's my job to make sure that everybody else is happy. It taps into my people-pleasing, like, caretaking part, right? That's like, Mm -hmm. oh, if things feel chaotic around me, I better be the perfect good little girl that doesn't add to the chaos, you know? And like, so- there, there's stuff there, you know. Right. And I <laughs> I have definitely noticed and seen how that has shown up in yeah. triggering change
1: moments for my kids. Yeah. And yet what you're doing right now is the point of the exercise, Cassidy, because yeah. now you're able to show up in a parenting way, which is what we call conscious parenting, where you are aware of your own roadmap so that you can be conscious about the differences that you have as as when you're approaching change then your children and maybe your partner as well and that awareness alone is going to revolutionize how the system shows up otherwise it, it can ambush you right, right. <laughs> otherwise it's like no one leave the house we're not going anywhere right so if we are fearful, let's say, but don't know it, then we just end up projecting that energy into our, into our family, into our system. Right. But when right. we're conscious of it, we can speak to it. We can name it. We can label it. Mm-hmm. And then we can support each other in it.
0: And I think that, that those parts of me, right? I think it's, it's, it's easy to maybe jump to like, oh, I hate these parts of myself. Like I want to get rid of them. I'm ashamed of them. I'm uh-huh. angry that these parts of me are there, right? But gosh, I actually think that those parts of me, when I'm able to have that conscious, mindful, compassionate awareness that it's there, it, those parts of me actually provide me so much data, of yes. actually what my child might need in that moment, right? Like what? i find, and what what it's translated into is like as I'm naming that part for myself, right? So I might call that part like the people pleasing part, mm-hmm. right? If my people pleasing part is is showing up and I have that people pleasing voice, right? Mm-hmm. And I can name that for myself, and I start to notice maybe some of those things that my child is experiencing, I can give that, I can say, well hey, you know what? I have this people-pleasing part and this people-pleasing voice. And sometimes it shows up like this. And gosh, I even use that in repair sometimes because I do get ambushed. I'm human, full, full human over here. I get ambushed. (laughs) I get triggered, I get reactive. And when I come back in my repair, I sometimes will say, hey, sweetie, I think my people-pleasing part that like Was putting the needs of your, of like the other parents and your friends before you, right? Before your needs, because I just wanted to make, I just didn't want the chaos and the drama to happen, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think that part may have gotten triggered there. So, you know, and, and other ways in which those parts can serve me is in those moments when, when I can catch the ambush, you know, and pause. I can ask myself, gosh, like that part of me provides so much um, wisdom and intuition into what actually I really would have needed,
1: you yeah. know, in those moments right. and what
0: my child might need right now too.
1: Right. So the more attuned we are to our own narrative, our own inner landscape, that we can use that attunement to attune even more to our child, which mm-hmm. is a really powerful um Way to show up as a parent. And it gives us like you're using parts language right now as like a, a shared language. Like you could say that to your child and she understands what you're talking about. And that's really the next piece of what I'm really passionate is about is once yeah, talk you know, to us about this shared language stuff. Yeah, really yeah. hear more about it. So after you have, you know you understand some of your own landscape, right, then how do we help our children? put down landscapes that are going to help and guide them into the future, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, even when
1: I work with adults, which I work with adults pretty frequently in my own practice, a lot of stuff goes back to these really hard changes they experienced as kids, right? Yeah. And so I just have this passion for parenting intentionally as a system, you know, with our with our children. And so I think that one of the ways that I really teach parents and I use it myself is to create a metaphor to help with the process of change. It's a, it's a shorthand. It's a way of communicating where you and your child are on the same page right away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah, the metaphor that I use is the caterpillar and the cocoon, which is not an, it's not a new metaphor. It's something I don't even know where I heard it years and years ago. Okay. But it's this idea that what does the caterpillar do when a lot of changes are happening? It cocoons. It goes inside the cocoon and spends time with itself. And that's what our children need to hear. Because it's when when we as a family and as an individual spend time listening to the messages that our body, our thoughts, and our emotions are giving us about this change, then we have a language that we can share with each other because it's always going to be different. How I go into my cocoon and listen is going to be different than how my child will. Okay? Okay. So, mm-hmm. as we approach changes, I think that it's really helpful to have a metaphor like this for every family, not just because like you you know you you're like me and you call the therapist when your kid has a big change and you freak <laughs> out, and then I throw a metaphor on it. No, actually, I actually think it's a good metaphor to have in anticipation of mm-hmm. any changes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like let's let's pretend that something really hard could happen as a parent, and we're We're preparing for that. We're giving our kids the tools and the language to be able to tune into themselves and then be able to show up in the system safely. And Cassidy, you mentioned a minute ago, like, you know, kids act out, right? Sometimes it's really obvious to see because they get big when changes happen. But I want to talk to, too, there's also the kid that goes in. Like if Mm. we... I got one of those. Yeah, me too, right? So so if we really simplify it, and I'm overly simplifying this, people, you know, children go in or they go out, right? Like I'm oversimplifying this. Either way, we need to pay attention to the story that they're telling themselves about what's happening for them. Because Mm. those stories, if they continue, they're the highway that keeps getting traveled, become a part of their belief system of who they are in the world. And do I know that to be true? Yes. Right, um, right. I love
0: the use of metaphor because it allows somebody to, it allows us to not assume, allows somebody to place their own current nuanced experience into the metaphor, uh-huh. provide that shared language as we make meaning. Yeah. And so I love to hear, and and I love this idea of cocooning because I think you know a lot of times the traditional discipline measure when you know kids act out was timeouts, right? Right. And it's like it's like, and this is that a timeout is is not the cocoon we're talking about, right? It's not yeah, like this is a time in, exactly. This is a time in. This is a time in. This isn't like now you go by be by yourself and like right. then come out once you've got a, a smile on your face. Right. Like, right, right. and, and, and I, I share that with, with the, and the listener. I have, I have had my moments. I have put my kids in timeouts before I have like put them in the room and closed the door right. as they're pounding on it. And I'm on the other side, just in the puddle of shame because I just mm-hmm. like can't be in there with them in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I've disciplined, I've punished, I've done yeah. these things like in a way that I don't feel aligned with, right? Like, so right. listen, you're all good. You're all good. Um, <laughs> you're in good company. But like, it's, that's not, that's not, that's not what what that does. And I know as a kid who went yeah. in timeouts, you know, once in a while, it's like, it's like, okay, now I'm alone with these feelings. It's yeah. clearly too much for the people around me. Um, I'm not getting any model for how to regulate this, so I'm just going to shut it down, like, or res- or you know, be be really angry at or not trust or feel like I'm too much, right? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, unfortunately, that doesn't provide our kids the skills that I really think that we want for them um, as they move into you know adulthood, and so cocooning, time in. What I would love to hear from you. Okay. So what are you actually saying to your child, right? When you're describing this shared language and metaphor, and then what does the
1: cocoon time in look like? Great. Okay. So I think the first thing we want to share, I want to remind all of your listeners is that when you introduce this metaphor, please don't do it as a punitive measure. It's not like, oh no, we're struggling. Let's throw a metaphor on. You want to engage your children when things are going okay, all right? Because otherwise, it, it's going to feel punitive, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the, you know, at the dinner table or you're driving to school or something, you want to intentionally, okay, explain to your kids, hey, there's been a lot of changes happening in the last couple of years, the last week, I don't know, whatever you feel like pointing out. And it's been reminding me of that silly metaphor, that silly story, I would say, of what the caterpillar does when a lot of changes happen. And do you know what the caterpillar does? It would be okay Mm -hmm. if I tell you, you know? Mm -hmm. And what the caterpillar does is it goes inside and makes themselves a cocoon to get really curious about, wow, there's a lot going on here and I'm going to spend some time with myself. And just like every caterpillar slash butterfly is different, it's the same thing with us. And when big changes happen, I'm wondering if we can get curious about, I call them cocooning powers, what our cocooning powers are. Because um, these are big deals, but if we don't stop and listen, we're not going to hear what our, what our bodies and what our emotions are telling us. Mm. Okay. And then I think you want to, as a parent, be intentional about actually taking time to sit with your child and saying, okay, so let's think of this big change. You've got a new, uh, you went to a new school last week, or, you know, you had to go to grandma's house after school instead of coming home or whatever the piece is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would it be okay with you if we just noticed got really still with ourself and we noticed where we feel that change in our body. I'm going to bring up grandma's house and let's just notice what's happening in our body. And sometimes our kids need to draw. Sometimes our kids need to act, you know, with their stuffed animals. Your kid can't do this wrong is the most important thing your mm-hmm. listeners need to hear. Mm-hmm. And your job is to hold the space and simply say, wow, I am so thankful that I know what this is like for you. Mm. And I, you know, I, we talked a minute ago just about not being alone in it. And what I tell parents is part of this journey is to help your child identify what's called kindness helpers. And those are the people that you're, you as a parent, and you're probably one of those kindness helpers. That you have chosen are the safe enough people for your child to be able to, to share what happens for them in their cocoon. Whether it's, and there's three mm-hmm. things, there's three things, I don't wanna overwhelm your listener, but the three things are our thoughts, or different thoughts about change, which for kids is often very concrete and very scary. Mm-hmm. So being able to tell them takes the power in, of the fear away. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like this, you know. Just just holding on to that, especially if the rest, everyone else in my family does. And the, that's the first one. The other one is is what's happening in our bodies, you know, the tummy aches, the headaches, the pounding heart, the sweaty palms, whatever it is. And then the last one is the emotions, you know, the feelings, and helping our kids understand that if we tune into those. We can say to our kids, which means they will say to themselves as they grow, it's okay that I feel this way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's okay that I have this thought, a thought's a thought. It's okay that my body is telling me that something's happening. I don't have to be afraid of the stomachache. I may get it again, but guess what? Mm -hmm. I know that that's okay.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh. This this could change the world right like if we were <laughs> all able to do this and to gain these these skills right like of being able to relate to our feelings in these ways yeah. right um, and then op- and then feel like we can identify and open up to the people who've earned that right to be a witness to yeah. these vulnerable parts of ourselves wow. and not be alone in that, right?
1: right. Yeah. And so, so the meta message, right, in doing this with your children is that they begin to create foster empathy, but also they learn we all experience change differently. They learn there's no right or wrong way to respond to what's happening and, you know, that that my response is okay. And they also begin to not fear change. Mm-hmm. And my favorite, which is the meta message, and we say this as shorthand in my house, every feeling is okay and you never have to be alone in it. It's such yeah. a powerful message to communicate. Mm-hmm. And think about the infrastructure that that then can build for your child as mm-hmm. they go into the world. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. (laughs) Good stuff, Sarah. Um, Really
0: important stuff and and tangible too. And Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons I so um, value your work and being able to share conversation with you. And so I know that the listener may be feeling like, Okay, I need more. I want more. Like I know you didn't yeah. want to overwhelm us because it's a episode, but like I need <laughs> more. Um, more support around this. And please share with the listener what some of like how they can connect with you, learn more from learn more
1: from you, access, you know, yeah. your resources. Yeah, so I have a podcast that is coming out hopefully in February if I get all my ducks in a row, which is don't make me self reflect, <laughs> yeah, <I love> <laughs> which of course is uh, witty because it's all about yeah. the need to self reflect, especially as parents and grown ups, right? So and then to help our children, um, so and really offering as many resources as possible for parents to be able to implement these types of things in their home because not everybody has to sit down with a therapist to, to get a metaphor and practice a skill. And so really trying to be able to find a way to communicate ways to connect with your kids that really help prosper in them to build this inner landscape that's going to that's gonna change the world as they yeah. grow. So yeah. yeah. So I have a podcast coming out, um, and we also have uh, a lot of my my practice. We have a lot of other skills that go out quarterly. So if you want to go to my website. Um, which Cassidy, you can link below. We have a quarterly newsletter where we send out free activities and skills that families can do usually based on season, but all social, emotional stuff. So fun fall stuff, and then usually a winter stuff. So if you want to sign up for my newsletter, you can find that there on my website. Amazing, amazing. And
0: you also have a course, right I that dives right. deeper into
1: this topic in particular. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I have a course that is simply called Helping Children with Change, where you have an opportunity to dive deeper into your own inner landscape as a parent through some self-reflective exercises, some guided videos that I offer. And then you have the whole change metaphor written out as a curriculum to do with Mm -hmm. your kids. So with that is included handouts, printables, activities about cocooning, about the superpowers, questions to ask your kids. And it's all self-paced. So you can approach and bring this into your family in a more concrete way with some additional support if you desire that. And you can access that right on my website so beautiful yeah I will share
0: links to it all in the show notes Sarah thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have this conversation with me and record with me again this was
1: such a meaningful
0: conversation like for me and I'm sure the listener will feel the same so thank you so much for taking the time
1: well thank you Cassidy I appreciate it
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned in to this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.